between 2018 and 2020, the plant-based goods industry was worth $7 billion. Billion. That is like billions more than it was in 2000 and 2010. It's like growing. And I was part of that. I also found that in 2019, 35% of consumers were looking for cruelty-free beauty and 24% were looking for specifically vegan labels. That is unheard of. Our parents never had an interest in that, you know? I mean, just it's not, it's such an interesting point of our time that people are, are, are more aware and more wanting these products. And final stat is 52% of consumers that I found in this study that I found on the internet wanted fashion brands to become more sustainable, which means less leather, more sustainable materials and production. When you read those and when you think about those stats, you're like, wow, I am in the perfect place at the perfect time right now. And if I jump in right now in four years, 10 years, I'm going to be in such a great place with this business because it's not slowing down. And so to me, when copywriters are choosing a niche and choosing where they want to go, they should think about the growth trajectory. If you love tech, think about if tech is growing, go literally look up statistics on tech growth. Or if you want to work with health and wellness, statistics on the health and wellness industry, there are so many. And if you start to see a decline, if you're seeing that in like 2010, it was like this much, and but now it's declined to this much, you probably don't want to join that. And it's not because your values around health and wellness or tech don't matter. It's because if you want to make this a career, you really want to look into the three to five year range of whatever industry you're in and finding that industry that you can stand writing about that doesn't drive you crazy, that you're passionate about, and that is growing is an absolute gold mine at this point. And so I think just making sure that your values are aligned with what's happening in, in the market. I am so excited to share this episode with Topaz Hooper, also known as the cruelty-free copywriter. She is someone who took her lifestyle, her values, and turned it into a lucrative six-figure copywriting business. She is a vegan for eight years living in Boulder, Colorado, who now writes for clean beauty, sustainable plant-based CPG brands. I know so many writers have written me wanting to break into this niche, so that's why I was so excited to interview her and get her on the paid copywriter podcast. And what I really loved about her story is that she took the downtime during 2020 to transition to copywriting. Something I especially loved about this interview was Topaz has so many writing passions outside of copywriting, and she's able to separate her love of journaling and poetry and travel blogging, but also understand that it's copywriting that pays her bills as a freelancer. I learned so much from this interview, so much that I'm taking and using in my own copywriting business. So I know that you will enjoy it too. And you can check her out at Cruelty freecopywriter.com. Topaz, I'm so excited to have you here and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. Let's jump right in. I want to hear about the type of freelance writing you do and how you got into it. Okay. So I identify as a web copywriter, but I have a content writer's heart. I started a copywriting in 2020. I had that epiphany just like everyone else. In 2020, when we were all in lockdown thinking, okay, is now the time for me to take whatever I've been passionate about seriously. And so in 2020, after being a writer, a creative writer for decades, <laughs> literally, you know, I started my first writing project when I was 11 and just was never able to take it seriously or was doing weird things in place of my true 
calling, which is to write. So in 2020, I said, now is the time for me to pivot. Everyone's locked down. I get to journal and think about this. I'm going to be a copywriter. So I took all of these online courses. I know you run courses, so I'm sure many of your listeners can totally relate to just downloading every course you could possibly get your hands on, buying all the books and deciding that this is a career path. So I actually started in the supplement space because I live in Boulder, Colorado, and it's like plant-based CPG performance athlete heaven here. So there's a ton of startups that are doing supplements and functional fitness and things like that. So I started in the supplement space and landed my first copywriting job three months after I decided I was going to be full-time. So, so I got my first full-time copywriting job in May, 2020 for a supplement brand I was local to. I was their only copywriter. So I did absolutely everything. I did social captions. I did web copy. I did emails. I did rebrand. I did just everything, even blog writing. So from there, I knew that this was the path for me. However, this supplement brand was selling things like bovine collagen and things with like animal bones in them to help their supplements become more digestible. And I just could not get my heart to want to write about those things. So I decided in 2021 that I was going to start cruelty-free copywriter. Personally, I've been a vegan for eight years. So I've been on this path for a long time, but I never thought about combining copywriting with veganism until I started seeing the statistics and started realizing that this is going to be a really big growing field. So 2021 is when cruelty-free copywriter was born and there's no going back. That's awesome. So I know you were doing writing before you became a copywriter. Were you getting paid to write or were you just working regular jobs and writing was your passion? Yes, the latter. I was working regular jobs, but writing was my dream. On my free time, I love to travel. So I actually started a travel blog. That was my first sort of, hey, let's see how this goes. And it's one of those things that I recommend to any new writer that if you don't have a portfolio or if you're not quite sure you want to really do this, you just want to test the waters, starting your own blog and talking about whatever you want to talk about is a great way to test those waters and get some skills under your belt, but also have a little portfolio so that when you're ready to launch your copywriting business or your writing business, brands can say, oh yeah, he or she or they have been writing on their blog since 2018. Clearly they they have a, they have a command with words and they're committed and they have a passion for this particular topic. So it's just, it was the perfect way for me to start with no pressure. And then as I got clients from that blog, I was able to expand and, and start charging. Were you in any type of health and wellness related field before you started freelancing for the supplement company, your first client? Were you full-time for them or was it freelance? It was full-time, which was like so brave for them. Like who hires a uh, you know, like a three month copywriter, for, like full time. I think I just wowed them with my personality and they're like, okay, I think you're going to thrive here. But so prior to that, I was actually a vegan coach. I had started my own plant-based coaching business. I wanted to be a digital nomad. I wanted more people to start a vegan lifestyle. And so I decided why not start with my own coaching business. So I ran a coaching business for four years and wrote all of the copy for that, made the program, made the menus, did the content creation, did everything for that. And for me, that was my initial foot into the cruelty-free vegan marketing sphere. Like how can I get folks who have never tried this 
before to trust me and to have me be their guide. So I was in wellness in that way for three or four years and then transitioned into the supplement company shortly after. Okay. So the, the course that I run is actually not like a, how to be, how to copyright, how to actually do the writing. Here's how to get the skills. It's actually client acquisition because I found that that's where freelance copywriters and aspiring writers, they struggle the most. And I think that's what kept me stuck, not as a copywriter for so many years. Like I was working sales jobs and quote unquote real jobs. Cause I just didn't understand how you get people to pay you for your writing. And as I'm teaching this process of cold pitching and building your website and your online presence, um, I think a lot of writers want to go into your field, but they're like, but who do I reach out to? So how did you figure that out for yourself? And what advice would you give? That is so interesting. I think client acquisition is a really interesting topic because some methods work for some people and other methods don't. I know a lot of people who do Upwork and Fiverr and that works for them. They've built empires on that. For me, that has never been my way. I have never loved cold emailing or cold calling or cold approaching brands. What I've always done is sunk my teeth into my unique selling proposition. What makes me unique? What makes my offering special? And then just doing that thing to the point where brands start to notice. So for me, early on, I was working full-time for that supplement brand, so I didn't have to do client acquisition. I had one big client and that was enough. I think that's a good place for some people to start. Like if you're just starting copywriting or starting your writing business, try finding a startup, a startup or some sort of kind of newly formed business. I say that because startups have a lot of funding, but they're looking for more young, dynamic, new copywriters. And the downside of that is maybe you don't get paid that six-figure check your first year, but the upside of it is that you have the safety to play, to make mistakes, to try new things in your copy, and to build the skill set so that if you want to go freelance, your next client, you have, you have something under your belt to show. I think a lot of clients are looking for showing. They don't really want to keep reading about a copywriter who, you know, has a great story, like that's nice, but they want to see like the proof. They want the portfolio. So I would say having just getting one really good client or even just your mom or your, your, your uncle or someone that, you know, in the neighborhood running a business, just getting those assets under your belt and then building that portfolio enough to, to, to then be able to say, okay, I'm ready to attract new clients. I'm, I'm ready to invite them into my space because personally, I have almost never reached out to any of the clients that I have. Almost all of them have been referrals. So they're either people that I've worked with before, they're friends, they're friends of friends, they're business owners who are connected to someone that I know. And I just so happen to be a copywriter that is available for this person. So for me, references have always been the best. They're higher paying in my opinion, because when people know you, they're less likely to want to pay you a poor rate, or they're less likely to like ghost you when you send invoices, like because they know you. And so for me, that's, that's really given me a platform to charge a fair price for my work and to have clients come to me. And so the better job I do with one client, the, the more likely they are to, to refer me to. And so I think after the referral process kind of gets going and you start getting a few people under your belt, I found that SEO really helps me gain new clients now. 
So if you Google vegan copywriter or cruelty-free copywriter, or even plant-based copywriter, I show up on the first page, even though my new website was only launched in 2021. I'm on the first page when I had first done sort of my competitive analysis of like the vegan copywriter landscape. I, I wasn't even a thought. I was, I was like on page 500. <laughs> Nobody even like knew my name, but just being able to have all those keywords on my website also helps somebody find me. And it doesn't have to be a fancy website. It just has to have those keywords that someone's looking for. So that would be like sort of after referrals, I recommend a good SEO strategy for your website or just your Instagram, something like that. And then finally, I am part of directories. So there is a great directory. I'm a woman. So I, I go to freelancingfemales.com and there's a directory there that if you pay like 49 bucks a year, your name is on there that if there's someone looking for a copywriter in your niche, they can find you. I have probably gotten three or four multi, you know, thousands of dollar contracts from just that directory alone. And it takes no effort for me. I made my profile in an hour. And yeah, I got, I work with sustainable fashion, clean beauty and plant-based CPG, consumer packaged good brands. And I've probably gotten $10,000 out of, out of just my one name on that directory because no one else has used the word cruelty-free or vegan or sustainable fashion or plant-based CPG in their profile. And there are some people, some, some brands that are looking for someone that's specific to those areas. So I use the power of SEO on directories on my website, and I use the power of leveraging my network and building trust and relationships to help me gain those clients and never had a bad experience, always been paid on time. And, and my ticket prices or the price for my services is still pretty high. And those are two strategies that I don't really talk about and that are super powerful. And you're right. Like there's so many different writers doing so many different things. There's writers who do kill it on Upwork and there's writers like me who do a lot of cold outreach on LinkedIn. I think it really depends on where your ideal clients hang out. But I think what you said about putting keywords on your website, like your website, which I looked at before we got on the call is super, super high quality. So I like that you said that you don't have to have a super high quality. Like, was that something that you built up to, or did you have a great website like that out the gate? No way. I did not have a great website. I did my whole like Wix template, whatever I could find. I tried my best because as a new copywriter, you're very scared, or at least I was very scared to invest a lot of money into the website if it wasn't going to work. So I just like, did my $300 per year Wix situation, found a template that looked pretty good and just over the course of a year, adjusted the copy and fixed the images and had a decent website. But as soon as I hit my first six figures, which was at the end of 2021, I was like, okay, now is the time to drop that 5K for a brand new website because I wanna walk into 2022 or 2023 looking really, really fresh. So it really took me a while to, to get to that nice website, but I promise you do not have to have a great website in order to have this work. You just have to be easily found and build trust on that site, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, or your website. You just, the trust component cannot be overstated. 
Totally. And that is what your website achieves. Did you work with someone like a web designer that helped you build it out? Because it's really like visually appealing. Oh, thank you. I did. I was on LinkedIn, interestingly enough. And this is a good tip too. If you have a copywriter crush and you're like this copywriter, I just love everything he or she writes. I love their website. Go to the bottom of their website and see who made their website. Usually it says made by so-and-so or by this company. That's what I did. I found a great copywriter. I found her on LinkedIn. I clicked on her website. I was like, I want a website like this. I found who made it for her. And I reached out to them and said, Hey, I would really love for you to do my website. And so that's who did it. So at the bottom of my website, you'll see who made my website. It's called Awaken Studio. They're fabulous. They're based out of Tel Aviv in New York City. Highly recommend. They did such a beautiful job and I, I just love them. That's really good to know because I'm still in that crappy website phase where I didn't invest anything into it and I have to eventually do that. But it's good to know for all writers because while it might not be on your radar at this moment, it's something you're going to want to do once you are generating the income to justify it. And segueing right into what you said about the six figures, what type of copywriting do you do? That is such a great question. I know some copywriters like to niche around deliverables. Some are totally web. They'll never touch a physical package or they're totally social. They don't even want to talk about blog or like, or they're, you know, specialized in emails and they don't even want to talk about websites. I am not niched around deliverables. I'm niched around values. I'm niched around industries. So for me, I'm doing all sorts of different assets for people. I love web copywriting, but I also really love content writing. I love blogging. I love social media captions. I love emails. At this point in my business, I'm like, as long as you're cruelty-free, sustainable fashion, plant-based CPG, like some kind of clean beauty, like if you're in that, if, if you're in that niche or those areas, I'm kind of down for whatever you need to be done. I just want to make sure my mission is to make sure that these plant-based cruelty-free businesses thrive. And if, if it's a blog that they need, if it's an email, if it's a website, I'm going to do that as long as I can see them thrive. And because I think the world really needs more solutions in this, in this area, cleaner beauty, fashion that doesn't pollute and, um, you know, foods that are delicious and don't have animal products. That's what I believe in. So I think for, for me, all of the deliverables are fun. I don't get bored with just one and actually having clients that offer, that ask me for a variety of assets makes my life so much funner. I find that instead of writing websites all day long, I get to write websites on Tuesday and then on Friday it's emails and then on Wednesday it's social captions and it just keeps my brain really, really like active. So I don't niche on just any of those, but I would say web and digital is my specialty. And when you had enrolled in all those courses in the beginning, when you were first starting out, was there any notable courses? I guess I'm interested in the type of writing you were doing, I would say was probably like more artistic than you did blogging. How did you kind of segue into learning about like copy, persuasion, conversions, all of that nitty gritty stuff? That is so funny because when I was in school, persuasion writing was like my best like scores. Like they would be like, write an essay on why we should all like plant more trees or something. And I would write the best essay. I, I would get A pluses on all of my persuasion essays always. Like I, I never got anything less than an A because it was such a, 
easy thing for me to do, to tell someone reasons why they should do something or why something should be changed, have evidence, prove it, have testimonials on, on, on what different people have said about this issue. It was so natural to me. So I didn't know copywriting existed literally until like 2020. Like it had never even occurred to my brain. So when I was going through courses, like I actually like Alex Katoni. She is really popular. I, I liked her YouTube. I also liked like Neil Patel a, a bit. He was a little more conversion for me, but I thought he just had good digital marketing. So I watched their YouTubes like religiously, like every single episode. And then the Copywriter Club podcast, I really enjoyed as well. That helped me get some voices kind of like this one, just get, get different voices in the, in the field about what is possible for me. I also did like a few like social media influencers that also kind of dropped knowledge, like Jess Jordana. I also liked Filthy Rich Writer. The, the Sarah Turner, Write Your Way to Freedom course was really, really good. And then I also just wanted to know more about support systems, like who can I lean on? And the American Writers and Artists Institute, AWAI, was such a great resource for me. They had a, a like rates sheet that, I mean, copywriters were always asking everybody, what do you charge? What do you charge? Their rates sheet set me up for success. I downloaded it once and I'm like, I'm still using it some, you know, from time to time. And so all those resources together, plus my already existing skill and persuasion and persuasive writing made it really easy for me to say, okay, I can do this. I just have to develop a mindset for business. That's, that's my challenge now. And so all of those things, I also want to name drop a few copywriting courses. There was a couple of Skillshare ones that I used. Copywriting basics for successful sales was good. Writing with personality was great on Skillshare. Writing crystal clear copy. And then I also read some books as well. The, the Business of Being a Writer by Jane Friedman was excellent. Of course, the Robert Cialdini famous book, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion is awesome. I also liked the Copywriter's Handbook by Robert W. Bly. That was excellent. And finally, this isn't copywriting related, but this book really helped me. High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard really like opened my world up about how to run a business and, and, and how to think about manifestation. And so all of those resources are just what I downloaded for like three months. Plus every now and again, we go on Facebook or Instagram and there's some kind of like copywriter, like advertisement, like join my like one hour training. I clicked on so many ads. <laughs> I knew I was never going to buy their training, but I was like as much free information as I can get, I'm going to do it. So I like clicked on everybody's like ads and got a lot of details from that too. So, so yeah, so there's some really free resources that helped me grow. And then there were some I paid a little bit for, and then mostly just podcasts, books, and online courses that were free really helped me catapult myself. And I love the resources you shared. And I've read a few of those. And obviously I know about the Alex Katanis of the world and the Neil Patels. These are all amazing resources. You know, it's interesting because it sounds like you really absorbed a shit ton of information and just filled your brain with so much. And I find that that's really common, but I think the problem is, is that many people do that and they just consume all the information and they're just paralyzed. So you mentioned that you read the High Performance Habits, Brendan Burchard. Other than that book, what would you attribute to the fact that you actually took action, you actually did 
you actually acted on the information that you consumed versus sitting there like, oh my God, I'm swimming in information. What do I do? How did you prioritize? Mm, I knew that I needed to practice. So every morning I can't, figure out which book told me this. There was maybe it was high performance habits, or maybe it was like atomic habits, like something was like practice. And so I found this resource that said, try to write one headline, or excuse me, 10 headlines every day, and then write one blog post once a week, and then write 10 social captions, mimicking some of the high performing ones that you see on a social media platform that you like. So every morning I would literally write like 10 headlines and be like, that's really bad. Or like, oh, this one's really, really good. And just apply them and try them and practice. I just did that journaling exercise like every day for like two months. I just like did some kind of asset every single day. And I would show it to my friends and family too. I'd be like, hey, I really want to show you this really embarrassing like website or this embarrassing like headline, like, what do you think? And if you're around people that are honest with you, they'll, they'll be like, that's really good. Or like, that's not the best. And so all of that feedback and all of that commitment to practice helped me really like at least have assets. So even at the beginning of my business, after all the practice, I'm like, oh, I created 200 headlines and five blog posts. And 30 captions that I could literally show to people. And even though they've never lived on any client's website, I did those. And if they like them, that's proof. And so the benefit of taking all that information, putting it into practice means you also build your portfolio internally. And clients sometimes don't care if it's for a real client. They just care that you have some kind of way to show your style. So that to me was a worthwhile endeavor in the first couple months where I had nobody to pay me, no one interested in me, couldn't find me on SEO. You know, I was nowhere on the websites, but I did have assets that I could share. And that gave me confidence and it gave me a portfolio. I love what you're saying because that's accessible to everybody. Just stopping after you've learned something, create something out of it and get the practice and at least produce something tangible and eventually someone will see it potentially, but, you know, don't put the pressure on yourself to go out there immediately. You could just be building this reservoir of your work. Yeah. Like, you know, how can I fill my cup? You know, I love like early painters, for example, because like Picasso and, 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 you know, Frida, Frida Kahlo, you know, these artists are, are painting in their bedrooms alone. They don't even want anyone to see their stuff yet. Like they're just so focused on how do I make something that I like? And I think the same could be applied to copywriters. How can you use the skills and the knowledge that you've taken from Christine's course, you know, from, from other courses, how can you make something that you like and, and really have fun just with yourself, just have fun, play, get lost, make mistakes. And then when you're ready, when you feel like, okay, I can write a headline or I can write a blog post from there, you can go out and, and share, but there's a, there's a special moment in the beginning of your career where it's just you and there's no one judging you. It's just you. And I think that's a really safe place to practice and to try. I love that. When you take on your clients, you're doing their web copy. I'm assuming you get on calls with them and have some face-to-face interaction, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
That's a big point of contention because I think a lot of writers tend to be introverted and the thought of getting on calls with clients and even just that moment, that first opportunity to get a client, they're like, oh my God, they agreed to a call and now I'm freaking out. What would you say to those writers who they want to pursue this and they love what you're doing and they want to be doing what you're doing, but their introversion is holding them back? Ooh, that's a great question. That's hard for me to answer because I'm not an introvert. I am an, a hardcore extrovert. I'm energized right now just talking to you and we're not even in the same room. I'm just like loving every second. I'm energized by people. So that's how I'm able to do it. But I have seen some introverted copywriters just have really great scripts together. Like when a client books a discovery call, they can say, actually, we're, we're going to do this on email. Or, or, and here's the script, like, here's the deal. I have seen also other copywriters record themselves and have some kind of like recording, like, hi, potential customer. My name is so-and-so. This is my experience. This is what I've done. And I've attached a link here that leads to my portfolio. If you'd like to work with me, I prefer email. And, you know, here's all the ways that we can work together. And, and sometimes just that pre-recording and having it ready to send to clients that are interested can be enough. And that introvert never has to jump on a call. I, I think the most important thing, though, is to set expectations because there are clients that will not work with you without seeing your face. And there's some clients that I have that I have never seen their face, not even on LinkedIn, like their, their, their profile pictures. They don't even have a profile picture. They don't want to be seen and they love talking on email and that's just how they like it. And so I think as long as the copywriter is able to communicate, I prefer email. <laughs> Or like maybe once every six months, I might jump on a call with you. That's enough. I've also had clients too, that after the first discovery call, you never need to talk to them on the phone again. They just want to call you to make sure that you're not crazy <laughs> and that you really are who you are. So if that introvert can spare just like a half an hour at the beginning of that work relationship to just build trust, say, look, I'm a normal human. I'm not crazy. Here's my portfolio the rest of the relationship can be totally on email and there's no need to jump on calls weekly. So I think that's a good alternative. That's a great alternative. And I love the pre-recorded video because any way that you can build trust and allow someone to get to know you online with your online presence, I always say that, that clients basically sell themselves on your online presence before they even talk to you. And the phone call is really just a formality, like you said, to make sure you're not a psychopath and that you're a real human being. So, but it's interesting. Like what I did notice about your copywriting website is you touched on a lot of pain points. As I was reading it, I was putting myself in a cruelty-free or a vegan CPG company's shoes, reading down your page. And it's very compelling. Did you write your own copy for your website? And did that come from the experience of learning about these brands and what they need? Yes, I wrote my own copy with the support of my web designer. She gave me like a, a good skeleton that said, hey, here are the elements of a good copywriting website that we've seen. If you want to fill in these elements with whatever message you want for your, for your audience, then do that. So I did have some structure with them. My last website, which wasn't new and shiny, I really hated the copy for a long time. I never thought it really spoke to to my ideal client. But after a year in business with my not so beautiful website, I was able to understand, oh, there are a lot of plant-based snacks and there are a lot of sustainable fashion brands and there are a lot of clean beauty brands and the 
both of those, all of those markets are so saturated that standing out actually is hard. That is really truly the struggle for a CPG or clean beauty or a sustainable fashion brand. How do I show myself in this big crowded field? And I realized what they really want. They don't need more money because many of them are actually startups and they're really well-funded. What they really need is someone to help them stand out. They want to stand out. They want to turn heads. And most of the time they're in this business because they want to change the world. They want to make beauty that is cleaner and makes women feel good. They want to make plant-based snacks that don't harm animals. They want to have fashion that doesn't pollute. Like they actually truly in the core of their businesses want to change the world. So that's why my tagline is turn, stand out, turn heads and change the world. And so I don't promise sales. A lot of my copywriting colleagues and, and friends focus on sales and that's totally fine. I think there are brands that really, really want that. But most of the brands that I work with don't struggle with sales. They struggle with recognition. And so that is something that they will pay for. How can you help me stand out? And therefore sales will come after I stand out. So it only took me like 365 days to figure that out. So I was messaging the wrong message for a while before I was able to say, okay, this is what, this is actually it. And after that, the website has gotten me, I, I launched this new website in December and I've already gotten four, four figure uh, contracts out of that just from the website alone with the SEO and with the copy without ever me reaching out. Clients are, are saying we, we would love to pay 2K, 3K, 4K, 5K for a project. Would you be interested? And they're my ideal client. That's really, I love what you're saying that you invested in these like high price things, like even the directory, like 50 bucks. You said it was 50 bucks a month for freelancing females. Oh, yeah, 50 bucks a year. 49 a year. A year. It's so it. cheap. <laughs> yeah. So like, and you did invest, you know, a good amount into your website, but like it paid off so well. So I, I want to like highlight that because in the beginning, when I first started freelancing, I know a lot of people can relate to this. It's like frugality, 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 do not let, let's do everything as cheaply as possible. That's how I functioned. I was like, what's the cheapest website, cheapest hosting, cheapest way to acquire clients. But I like that you really invested in yourself and believed in yourself and trusted that it would pay off. Yes, I did. But I, I needed signs along the way. Like I needed proof. I was only able to say, okay, I'm going to do this $49 directory. Even then back, back then that felt like, oh, I really don't, you know, I really don't want to give up this $49 because I wasn't sure. But after I got a few clients, I'm like, okay, for every dollar I get from a client, I'm going to spend 25 cents on developing this business. So I made it so that as my income grew, my investments grew too, without ever losing too much. And so I think that's what a lot of copywriters have to find a, find a, a recognition for. If a client pays you $200 for a blog post, try to find some way to spend 50 bucks on your business that's going to propel you in a really big way. It's scary. You don't know if it's ever going to come back, but at least you have 75 cents of your dollar still hanging out. And so how can we start to think of, think of it that way? So as you scale, your business scales with you and you don't lose um, the momentum of your growth. So again, if I hadn't hit my first six figures in, in 2021, I would have never invested in this website. I, I would have been like, this is a, I, I can't do it. But only then when I looked at my business savings and I was like, okay, it's, it's a big chunk of my business savings, but I'm going to do it. And, but 
I needed those little signs along the route that 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 said, don't worry, it'll pay off. It'll pay off. It'll pay off. Do you offer mentorship to other copywriters and aspiring writers? Because I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to want to talk to you after this episode. Interestingly enough, I don't offer mentorship. I'm actually seeking a mentor. I had worked with a 20-year mentor for a really long time, but it actually occurred to me that I had surpassed my 20-year copywriter mentor. She's been doing this business forever, but even I had systems that she never wanted or never considered. And I was like, wow, okay. So so now I'm actually looking for someone who's really big, bigger than me, that can help me work through some things too. Although I don't do mentorship with others, people can DM me, email me, talk to me. I get a lot of Instagram DMs from new copywriters and I tell them a lot of what I'm telling you now. And I also give them some helpful resources if they need it. So if people want to reach out to me that way, they certainly can. Well, I'm going to end it on this question. You talked a little bit about the industry in terms of cruelty-free and I guess like values-driven brands. What are the misconceptions and what should these new writers who they're like, well, I know I'm a values-driven person. I know I'm vegan. I know cruelty-free is really important to me, but they don't know about the industry. I think that's a really hard turn for writers to make because number one, they might not be business-minded. They don't understand the overall market. So what can you tell us about the the cruelty-free market as a whole? Oh my gosh. I love talking about this because I had never even looked at the market. I was just a consumer. I was the market. And only when I started to say, okay, if I really go into this field, what's the future look like? That's when I was like, okay. So I found a great statistic all over or found many great statistics all over the internet, but I found that between 2018 and 2020, the plant-based goods industry was worth $7 billion. Billion. That is like billions more than it was in 2000 and 2010. It's like growing. And I was part of that. I also found that in 2019, 35% of consumers were looking for cruelty-free beauty and 24% were looking for specifically vegan labels. That is unheard of. Our parents never had an interest in that, you know, I mean, just it's not, it's such an interesting point of our time that people are, are, are more aware and more wanting these products. And final stat is 52% of consumers that I found in this study that I found on the internet wanted fashion brands to become more sustainable, which means less leather, more sustainable materials and production. When you read those and when you think about those stats, you're like, wow, I am in the perfect place at the perfect time right now. And if I jump in right now, in four years, 10 years, I'm going to be in such a great place with this business because it's not slowing down. And so to me, when copywriters are choosing a niche and choosing where they want to go, they should think about the growth trajectory. If you love tech, think about if tech is growing, go literally look up statistics on tech growth. Or if you want to work with health and wellness statistics on the health and wellness industry, there are so many. And if you start to see a decline, if you're seeing that in like 2010, it was like this much, and but now it's declined to this much, you probably don't want to join that. And it's not because your values around health and wellness or tech don't matter. It's because if you want to make this a career, you really want to look into the three to five year range of whatever industry you're in. And finding that industry that you can stand writing about that doesn't drive you crazy, that you're passionate about, and that is growing is 
an absolute goldmine at this point. And so I think just making sure that your values are aligned with what's happening in, in the market. I also value cozy slippers, but cozy slippers are not rising in the markets. That's not a great niche to go into as a copywriter. So, you know, really being smart about this as a career, if this is really what people want, if it's a side hustle, find it where you can. But if you really want to make this your life, then definitely do your research. And from there, find out, am I in the perfect place at the perfect time? Has this boat already passed? Or am I right at the precipice of something that's going to break? And from there, you can really build a great copywriting brand and become known, become a big fish in a small pond. I love that. Validating that there is a demand for a niche is just as important as like your interest and your passion in it. So I really love that you said that because choosing a niche is the biggest sticking point for writers. They're like, well, I know about this. I'm interested in this, but what, which one do I choose? So I like your validation technique of going and seeing the hard numbers and looking at how a market is growing. And I mean, even if you just look at headlines in terms of like where we're going as a society and a culture, you can gather so much about what people care about in the moment and factor that into your niche of choice. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so many other niches I would love to do that are not growing, believe it or not. The travel niche is not growing. It's saturated with a lot of copywriters. Luxury hotels already have copywriters or they're not really looking to invest in one. It's, it's, it's just, I would love to do more travel content for airlines and travel companies, but it's, it's so intense that it, it didn't feel right. So yeah, there's, you know, gather all your interests and then look at the market and yeah, if it, if it looks hopeful, jump in. And you're doing writing about travel though, on your blog regardless, right? So, cause I did see you had a post about the world cup, which was kind of recently and some of the issues going on there. So it sounds like, it looks like you're pursuing what you want to pursue regardless, but you're being realistic about what's going to pay your bills. That's right. I think if you're truly a writer like me, like through and through, you're like your heart's in writing, like you could get paid or not get paid and do it anyway, then it's really fun to have a copywriting business, but then to also have some space where you do your creative writing of choice without getting paid. For example, I also write poetry and I write poetry because I want, I don't need any money for that. My copywriting business has got me covered. So I actually like to kind of almost separate church and state. I like to have my personal, creative, deep writing for just me and my friends and my family and an internet audience. But then I like to have my copywriting business be totally separate. I know that some copywriters get burnt out when they like combine those two that, you know, if you would love to write about tech, but you're doing it for work and you're kind of like, your heart's kind of like, oh, I really wish I could just write about something that's not work. I do recommend, yeah, having a little bit of space between what pays you and what fills your heart and what fills your goals and what fills your cup. And so that's what I do. I, I do my travel blog anyway. It's topazhooper.com. That's just where I choose to do it. And I do it for fun. And my copywriting business, cruelty-free-copywriter.com, is what pays my bills. And separation of church and state, I contribute to both of them when I when I want to. And it feels good. I love that. That's amazing advice. Well, Topaz, thank you so much. You have been a wealth of information. And like I said, so many writers want to be doing what you're doing. So you're an inspiration to them. And just knowing that you're willing to give 
free advice and value. Like that's, that's really what I love about copywriting and content writing and like the marketing world is people are so generous and want to help other people and share their knowledge. It's not super competitive and cutthroat like some other industries might be. So thanks for being a shining example of that. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. And honestly, if there were more cruelty-free copywriters in my niche, we would be able to help so many more businesses and really help change the world. So to me, giving this information to someone that might want to get into my niche, I invite you. I welcome you. You can ask me questions. I want to see you help a plant-based CPG brand or a sustainable fashion brand grow so that our world can have a lot more solutions. So the more the merrier, in my opinion. That's awesome. I would love to have you back on to get into like nitty gritty strategy stuff. So if you're open to that, please let me know. Would love to come back. Thanks so much.